And welcome to episode 46 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again on today's episode. We're breaking down week three of the NFL. I'm giving you all my takes from an action-packed weekend in the NFL. Then we're breaking down last night's Monday night football game between the Bears and the Redskins. And then I'm giving you some college football takes. Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines were unable to get it done in Wisconsin. And I'm going to tell you about the most epic, exciting, ridiculous comeback you've ever seen in college football. And then we're going to throw in some hoops. LaMelo Ball is climbing up the draft boards. Let me tell you what I think about LaMelo Ball. All that much more here on episode 46 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the pod wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and comment down below with all of your takes. I want all of your takes on all of today's topics right down below in the comment section. But we've got lots to get into. This time of year, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Baseball playoffs are getting kicked off next th- a week from Thursday. NFL's in full swing. College football's in full swing. The NBA is close to getting kicked off. So this is the season for sports fans. And we've got lots to talk about, lots to get into, so let's get it. Are you ready? And we're going to start Monday Night Football where the Bears, they go into Washington and they crush the Redskins. The Redskins got beat down last night. The Bears, they were up as much as 25 points, ended up winning the game by 31 And Washington, this team is a complete disaster. Only thing they had a chance of winning last night was the coin toss. They won that, and they went on to get beat down bad, and it was thanks to Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is a ferocious beast of a man. He said he wasn't happy with his performance against Green Bay, and he brought it last night. Three tackles, two sacks, two QB hits, two strip sacks. And then ha-ha Clint Dix. I'm never going to get tired of saying ha-ha Clint Dix. He had a pick six. And this Bears defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense. And I'm telling you right now, a lot OBJ, who I love, Odell Beckham said, Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the NFL. A lot of people think Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL. Khalil Mack of the Chicago Bears, of the Monsters, of the, he's the monster of the midway right now. And Khalil Mack, he's that guy right now in the NFL. The versatility, the pressure he can get on the quarterback, can drop into coverage, can make every tackle, and he is just a force. Check out Khalil Mack right after the game. Check this out. Play the clip. We built for this. We built for these moments, and uh, we want to go out and show the world every time we step out uh, what the Chicago Bears football is all about. And so, Raider fans, how are we feeling about that Khalil Mack trade right about now? The Oakland Raiders essentially trade away the best defensive player in the NFL, and yes, Aaron Donald is a beast in his own right. What Aaron Donald does in the interior, he wreaks havoc, but I'm going with Khalil Mack for the overall impact he has on the defense, but the Raiders trade away Khalil Mack for Antonio Brown and the right to have John Gruden as their coach. John Gruden goes in there, trades away Khalil Mack, and they have to be hurting for that. Raider fan, that has to hurt. That'd be like the Carolina Panthers if they trade away Luke Keighley in his prime, or the Denver Broncos if they trade away Von Miller in his prime. 
And Khalil Mack, he has this defense in Chicago. They are a special defense, the tandem of Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack. They added HaHa Clinton a lot of playmakers on defense. Now the question with the Bears is, it's not about the defense. That is a Super Bowl defense by every metric. It's just about the offense. Can the offense get close to matching that defense? And last night, give Mitchell Trubisky some credit. Three touchdowns, one interception, went 25 for 31, had a QB rating of 116.5, iced the game late in there. It's just a question. If they can get, if the Chicago Bears can get top 15 quarterback play out of Mitchell Trubisky, that is a team that could make a run for the Super Bowl. That defense is that special. They are Super Bowl contenders if Mitch Trubisky can get it together. And my next takeaway about last night is about the Washington Redskins, who, under the stewardship of Dan Snyder, who bought the once-proud franchise in 2000, they have exactly one playoff win. One playoff win since 2000, made the playoffs four times, beat the Buccaneers back in 2005. That's all they have to show for under Dan Snyder. Jay Gruden, to me, he screams career coordinator. Would he be a head coach if it weren't for his Gruden last name? And I think this Washington franchise, they need to do the right thing, and they need to start Dwayne Haskins this week against the New York Giants. You start the number 15th pick out of Ohio State, one, because Case Keenum is hot garbage, and two, because this New York Giants defense is hot garbage. The Giants have the worst defense against the pass in the NFL. They're giving up. 332.3 yards per game against the pass, eight touchdowns, and one interception. So only one interception this, this year for the Giants defense. And they're also giving up 10.5 yards per pass attempt. So you throw in Dwayne Haskins in there, and then also you show your fan base that you got the guy in last year's draft. Don't forget this Giants fan base, they wanted Dwayne Haskins at number six. The Giants took a lot of heat for taking Daniel Jones. Everyone mocked the pick. Everyone said he was going to be a career backup, but things change after one game. Daniel Jones, he lit up the scoreboard against the Buccaneers, and the Giants are going to have a coronation. They're practically going to have a ticker tape parade for their new quarterback. And if you're Washington, you go up there, you throw in Dwayne Haskins, he lights up this defense, and you get the last laugh in the NFC East. But that is my take on the Washington Redskins. They need to find some answers as a franchise. And next, I'm going to give you my week three winners and losers, starting with Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. So Daniel Jones gets his first career start on the road in Tampa Bay, and he balls out. 23 for 36, 336 yards, a pair of passing touchdowns, and a pair of rushing touchdowns. And they come back, and they beat the Buccaneers 32 to 31, 22 years old, number six pick out of Duke. And first, I want to start by saying Giants fans, Giants fans that went to Twitter, they were at the draft booing the pick. They were mocking the pick. They were ridiculing GM Dave Gettleman. You owe him a big apology 
right about now. How are you feeling about Daniel Jones? Because he looks like he is going to be the quarterback of the future. He's going to supplant Eli Manning and be a franchise quarterback. I love what I saw. This guy can throw the deep ball at an elite level potentially. He can also give the Giants a dynamic they never had under Eli Manning. He can get it on the ground. Two rushing touchdowns, a seven-yard run on a design, not just a scramble, a design QB keeper. And Giants fans, you should be very excited. And to me, what was most impressive about his debut was how he was handling that Buccaneers pressure. If you looked at it, the Bucs pressured Jones on 55.6% of his dropbacks. That's the highest rate of any QB in week three, according to Pro Football Focus. So they were after Jones, and he completed 73.7% of his passes when pressured and finished with 243 yards on 19 pressure drawbacks. You had design runs. Their receiving core is still without Golden Tate, so not a very robust receiving core. I think if the Giants, the way this year finishes out, if they're in that top 5-10, to 10, I think they should go after Alabama receiver Jerry Judy because you already have Saquon Barkley who's going to be out for six weeks with that high ankle sprain. But I'm telling you, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, as people are calling him, he looks like he's the real deal, and it looks like the Giants found their quarterback for the future. And for my first loser, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. I know what you're thinking, right? How could the Saints be a loser? They went up to Seattle, and they beat Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Teams don't do that in September. The Seahawks are 15-0 under Pete Carroll, and the Saints, they go up there, and you probably thought it was going to be a bad day for the Seahawks. After Pete Carroll, he took an L before the game even started. His own player hits him in the face with a ball. He has to get stitches on his nose. Check this out. Play the clip. A football hitting Pete Carroll in the face. It was friendly fire, too. It was one of the linebackers. There's before and after. Not that Pete had a great schnoz to begin with, but now he's got a scar on it, butterflied, stitched mm. up, and uh, he's continuing to coach. But knowing Pete Carroll, he could care less about a flesh wound, more about what's going on the field. His team is But give the New Orleans Saints all the credit in the world. Coming off that tough loss against the Rams, they go up to Seattle. They get that win. They get a special teams touchdown. They get a defensive touchdown. But I was paying close attention. How was Teddy Bridgewater going to play? Can the Saints, can they tread water under Bridgewater? And he was not very impressive. Went 19 of 27, 177 yards, two touchdowns. But if you look at it, his average throw traveled only 3.3 yards in the air. And according to NFL Next Gen Stats, his average completion only 1.8 yards. He completed just one pass over 20 yards, and that came on a Camara dump-off that went 29 yards, and he was really the star of the game. Camara, 25 touches, broke 12 tackles, and he accounted for 161 of the Saints' 265 yards from scrimmage. So give him all the credit in the world. He really carried the Saints' offense, but I don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to give this Saints team enough in Drew Brees' absence. And my next winner is Eagles fan Hakeem Laws. This man is a hero. He's catching babies out of burning buildings, and he did an interview with a local reporter after it, and he throws a jab at Eagles receiver Nelson Aguilar. Check this out. Play the clip. Um, at that point, that's when I started hearing the, the fire trucks coming down the street. It was like in the far off distance or whatever like that. Smoke started getting worse. Then I seen a guy hanging out the window, you know, screaming that his kids was in there and things like that. 
So I, I ran to the back door, see if it was open, and it was. I ran upstairs, and then I was greeted with smoke. I ran back downstairs. By that time, the ladder truck was pulling up. And ironically, me and my, one of my, ex, my old co-workers took the ladder off the, off the truck, raised it up, and was assisting people down. My man just started throwing babies out the window. And we was catching them, unlike Aguilar and his mishaps. I like to put that in. So Philly fan never changed. Philly fan loves their sports. There's never a wrong time to start talking Philadelphia sports, and he's talking about his Eagles when he's being interviewed about being a hero. And my favorite thing about this is Nelson Aguilar, he takes to Twitter to find this guy, and they're inviting him to the Eagles game. So I'm pretty sure he's going to go VIP style to the game. And I'm just saying right now, if Nelson Aguilar never drops another pass in the NFL, Hakeem Law, he needs to be the receiver's coach for the Eagles. They need to seriously consider that if Nelson Aguilar never drops another pass for the Philadelphia Eagles. And my biggest loser of the weekend is, of course, Antonio Brown. That's an all-caps, bold Antonio Brown. You're my loser of the weekend and the thing with Antonio Brown, it's all self-inflicted. Look, he goes to the Patriots. The Patriots don't even cut him. They allow him to play. He catches the touchdown pass from Tom Brady, and that was it for his Patriots career. He is gone from the NFL. He's now your favorite Central Michigan online college student. He's going back to college. He needs to go back somewhere. He needs to stay away from the NFL until he figures things out. I don't know if he has onset CTE or something, but there is something very wrong with Antonio Brown. Look, the fact the Patriots, they didn't even cut him after he was being investigated for some sexual assault violations, but what did he do? It's always self-inflicted with A.B., he contacts his accusers. He's texting them nasty things. He's calling them broke. And Antonio Brown, what are you doing? He texts saying that he's done with the NFL. No, I have news for you, Antonio Brown. The NFL is done with you. Until you can get it together, until you can prove that you can stay out of harm's way. And I bet you're thinking right now, hey, Pittsburgh was not so bad after all, was it, right? So Antonio Brown, I don't know which team would take on Antonio Brown. Probably the Dallas Cowboys. I heard the Seattle Seahawks may be interested. Imagine what he could do for the Los Angeles Rams. But you got to weigh the, the pros and cons. The net benefits of Antonio Brown right now are not very strong. To me, you take on him. He's everything that's bad with the NFL. You can't have Antonio Brown and, and he just went on a firestorm because, look, if you bring on Antonio Brown, if it's going well, fine. But he's proven. Look what he did. He went on a Twitter spree, and look what he tweeted. He, went, he attacked Ben Roethlisberger. He attacked Robert Kraft. He went against everyone. It was meltdown mode for Antonio Brown. And you don't touch him with a 20-foot pole until further notice, until he has righted his wrongs. And I just don't know how he can do that. And, man, this guy left millions and millions and millions of dollars on the table because of his attitude. So, Antonio Brown, the NFL is done with you. We don't need you telling us that you're done with the NFL because the NFL is done with you as of right now. And my next winner, Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. He's going to win MVP again. And to me, he has a real shot of being the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Yes, Tom Brady is the GOAT. He has accomplished the most with those Super Bowl wins. 
but he has the most talented arm that we've seen. If Sandy Koufax was the left arm of God, Patrick Mahomes could be the right arm of God. This arm is so powerful, and when you watch him play, if you look at him, he can make all the throws. Back foot, going to his left, going through his right. His dad was a major league player. To me, he plays the quarterback position like a shortstop. He can make throws from all over the field, and Patrick Mahomes is on pace to have a better year than he had last year. Last year, 5,097 yards. This year, 1,195 yards through three games. He's on pace for 6,373 yards. Last year, he totaled 15 touch, 50 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. This year, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So he's on pace to hit 53 touchdowns, might make a record at 55. 55, that's the all-time record set by Peyton Manning. And I think last year, if you look at him, he completed 66% of his passes, averaged 8.8 yards per pass attempt. He had a passer rating of 113.8. This year, Mahomes, 71.9% completion rate. He's averaging 10.5 yards per pass, and he has a passer rating of 134.9. He's beasting Pat Mahomes. His arm talent is something we've never seen in this league. He's only 20 games into his career, and this is his league. The NFL is going to be Pat Mahomes' league, barring injury. You got to love what you see about Pat Mahomes. I used to say Aaron Rodgers, he was the best arm talent I've ever seen. I've watched hours and hours of Pat Mahomes now. That arm is just so big and so accurate that you can't help but not go with Pat Mahomes. He surpassed Aaron Rodgers. He surpassed Tom Brady. Anyone in his sights, it's really a battle for who's number two right now. So Pat Mahomes, this guy is absolutely ridiculous in Kansas City. And last for my losers, I'm going with a trio of starting quarterbacks that had their first start for their new teams, starting with Josh Rosen. So Josh Rosen, he showed flashes out there. He goes 18 of 39, 200 yards. He had tons of drops out there. Really, he could have had probably 300 yards passing if it weren't for drop balls. But I'm calling him a loser because you're a loser if you have to play behind this Miami Dolphin dreaded offensive line. This offensive line, they got pressured by the Cowboys 42.9% of snaps, and they hit Josh Rosen 11 times in the game. So his coach says he likes how he plays with a chip on his shoulder. By the end of the season, Josh might not have any shoulders or legs or body because that offensive line is absolutely atrocious. And then Luke Falk for the New York Jets. Luke Falk went 12 of 22 for 98 yards. Pedestrian numbers, to say the least. He was bad. And then Mason Rudolph. So Mason Rudolph, he had some nice plays. He had a 76-yard catch and touchdown by Juju Smith. He had that touchdown to Deontay Johnson, but he ended up going 14 of 27, two touchdowns and interception, a QB rating of 81.4. He did not look very accurate, not very impressive in his first start. So I got those my losers, those quarterbacks. They need to get it together quick if they want to have any success this year. And next, we're going to talk some hoops, and we're going to talk about LaMelo Ball. So just a month ago, no one was talking about LaMelo Ball. No one was talking about him as a first-round pick. Now scouts have gone 180. They're changing their tune. Jonathan Javoni of NBA Draft Express 
now has him number three going to the Knicks right behind James Weissman, who he has at number one. He's the kid, seven-foot-one center out of Memphis. Then number two, Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Then number three, LaMelo Ball. Now, what's changed with LaMelo Ball in a month? Well, he's head down to Australia, and that's a pro league, and he's dominating in that pro league. You had 27 NBA scouts out there. One quote from a scout says, if he keeps this up, I don't see any way he isn't in the conversation for the number one overall pick. He completely changed my perception of the type of prospect he is and all the background info I gathered here from his coaches and teammates paint a very different story of what I thought about him off the court as well. He would go on to say that he reminds him of Luka Doncic. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. Yes, he's affiliated with LeVar Ball. That's his dad. And will he have the same effect as he had on Lonzo Ball? I'm telling you, you should be okay with picking LaMelo Ball because of Lonzo Ball. Look at what has happened with Lonzo and LeVar. They are currently feuding right now. They got into it on an episode of Ball and the Family. Check this out. Play the clip. Change the name? Hell no. I wouldn't change the name. I'm just saying from a marketing standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, regardless of what it is. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. I'm just asking a question. I'm just saying. Triple B is always going to be the name. On the fact that it also stands for the three Ball brothers. I'm not changing that at all. What is your opinion on that? I don't give a about his opinion. I just want to hear. But no, 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 listen to me, son. When I come up with a name and then somebody tell me to change it, that's like me telling me to change your name. That's like people saying, oh, hey, change Lonzo's name to Alfonso on the fact that he's been damaged goods for the last two years. And the first child is always the guinea pig, and Lonzo has laid down the foundation, and he's showing LaMelo, hey, you can't let dad, you can't believe everything he says, you can't let him run the show, you've got to be your own guy, because it could lead to a trade. So I think now, more than ever, LaMelo says, hey, he learns from Lonzo, he learns about what happened with the Lakers and LeVar, him getting traded to the Pelicans, and he says, hey, Pops, I love you, but I don't need you being a distraction. I don't need you having a hand in my entire career because bottom line, he's the kid with the talent. And LaMelo Ball, the thing about him, look, I used to cover UCLA basketball. I've known about LaMelo Ball since he was in like seventh grade at Chino Hills. I've known about LaMelo Ball for a long time. And one thing about him is he's a superior shooter to Lonzo Ball, but he's also creative. He's also clever with his ability to pass. And I'm telling you, this kid is special. This kid loves to play. I would not shy away from taking LaMelo Ball if I felt like he was an elite prospect. And it's really exciting. It's, it's really a shame. He was a UCLA commit for like four years. So it'd be nice to see him playing college ball this year. But instead, he's dominating the pros. And I think it's something to really pay close attention to is the development of LaMelo Ball. And that is going to do it for episode 46 of the Get More Sports Podcast. As always, my name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. Want to give a shout out to UCLA football down 49-17 late in the third quarter. They go on to score 50 points, and they beat Washington State in one of the craziest games I have ever seen, the third biggest comeback in college football history. They go on to beat the Cougars 67-63 in some Pac-12 after dark action. But that is going to do it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the pod on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and like and comment on YouTube. But have a great rest of your week. And I'm out.